turn around. Two words. Two words that would change a young man's life forever. Sandra Bullock won an Oscar for her portrayal of Leanne Tui in the movie The Blind Side. And this film tells the gripping story of how a Christian family took a homeless man named Michael Orr and gave him the chance to reach his God-given potential. Despite his dysfunctional upbringing and lack of prospects in life, Michael Orr was someone in his corner for the first time ever and the encouragement of a family that saw something in him would become a first-round pick of the Baltimore Ravens in the NFL. In a speech at a fundraiser, Sean Tui, Leanne's husband, said that this incredible transformation of Michael and his family all began with two words. When they spotted Michael walking down the street on a cold November day in nothing but shorts and a t-shirt, Leanne uttered the two words that would change everything. Turn around. They turned that car around, brought him into their warm vehicle, and ultimately their warm family. And the rest is history. Maybe this morning you need to hear these words. Maybe they potentially have the same power for your future. Turn around. See, perhaps you're heading in a direction that you know is not good for you. Turn around. Maybe you're in a relationship that is toxic. Turn around. Maybe you've been running from God for years and yet he continues to pursue you. Somehow you're listening to this message this morning. It's simple. Turn around. Maybe you've gone to church your whole life, but when it comes down to who's ultimately leading your life, it's you, not God, but you. I believe that when you come face to face with Jesus, and I mean see him for who he really is, you will receive an offer that is hard to pass up. Jesus will give you the chance to turn around and follow him. For the past few weeks, we've been looking at some of the face-to-face interactions that Jesus had with people that changed them forever. And this morning, we'll be looking at a vital face-to-face that started, that started a whole movement that continues to this day. But before we jump into that story, I need to ask you a question. Who are you following? Because like it or not, we're all following someone. For some, they're taking their cues from celebrities. Maybe there's someone that you follow online. You've adopted their parenting values or workout routine or financial know-how or maybe their fashion tips. Maybe you've even modeled some of your life philosophies after theirs. Maybe it's someone that you don't consider famous, but you respect how they do life and you've tried to model your life after theirs. But no matter who we choose to follow, there are always flaws. As a teenager, I was a massive follower of basketball superstar Michael Jordan. Every day I would come home from school and I'd pop in the VHS videotape Come Fly With Me, which was a highlight tape that showed Michael Jordan's rise to stardom and array of his best plays, best dunks. And then I would go outside to my driveway hoop and I'd imitate every shot, every acrobatic move. Jordan would wear a wristband on his left forearm. I would wear a wristband on my left left forearm. He would wear baggy shorts, so would I. My first real pair of expensive basketball shoes that I saved up all my money for, or you guessed it, a pair of Jordans. And when Jordan would make a move to the basket, he would stick his tongue out by habit. A habit, he says, he picked up from his dad, who when working around the house would stick out his tongue in concentration. So again, I would find myself sticking my tongue out As I drove to the basket, Gatorade once had a commercial called Like Mike, 
about how many kids grew up wanting to be like Mike. I gotta admit, I wanted to be like Mike. In fact, I owned a book called How to Be Like Mike. But there's so much more to a person than what they do as a profession. Today, on a basketball court, I'd still love to be like Mike. But off the court, I have my own ideas on the type of father I wanna be, the type of husband I wanna be, friend, neighbor. These are the important things. Ultimately, how I love people will determine who I am. So who I follow and model my life after is of utmost importance. In the Gospels, we come across a story where Jesus asked some ordinary fishermen to come follow him. And Matthew, who, we would, later, who would later become one of Jesus' 12 original disciples, records this in the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew tells us that one day, Jesus is walking along the, the Sea of Galilee. And he comes across two brothers who fish by trade. And he tells them to leave everything behind and come follow me. Matthew 4.20 says, At once they left their nets and followed him. If you read a little further, you see that they come across two other brothers named James and John who were out fishing with their father. And likewise, Jesus calls out to them to drop everything and join their gang. And it says in Matthew 4.22, it says, Immediately they left the boat and their father followed him. Now let's stop right there. So these guys are out there with their dad, likely a family fishing business, and Jesus comes along and he calls them to follow him. And it says immediately they leave the boat and their father and the business to go follow Jesus. Now, if you're reading through this the first time, it's a little hard to imagine. And it actually kind of seems a little bit irresponsible. You're going to impulsively ditch your father and follow a rabbi just because he invited you? Now, what you need to know is that for the Jews, a young boy would begin to learn the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, as early as the age of five years old. By the time of their bar mitzvah at 13, they would have memorized the entire thing. And those that showed promise would continue their education and study the interpretation of the Torah. By the time they were 17 or 18 years old, those that continued to show great potential would be encouraged to spend time with a rabbi in a multi-year experience to hone their skills and abilities to interpret God's word. The student would then choose a rabbi. And this was not to be taken lightly because everyone knew what the scripture said. In fact, they'd all memorized it. But different rabbis lived the scriptures differently. Some took the scriptures quite literally, while others focused on the spirit of the Torah, while others emphasized different applications. So choosing a rabbi was critical, was critical because their teaching would forever impact the way you interacted with God's word. And you needed to make sure that you would, what, what you're identifying with is something that you can live out. From all the disciples that approached a rabbi, he would then only select a few from the group. So it was a big deal for the rabbi to then look at that group that had asked to follow him and for him to turn and say to them, follow me. This was everything they'd studied for since they were five years old. It was a dream come true. So for someone reading Matthew's account, which was written primarily for a Jewish audience, the significance of Jesus, the rabbi saying, follow me, would be, would be incredibly significant. 
They, they would read that and they said, of course you're going to give up everything and follow. And I've heard pastors preach this, that unless you're willing to drop everything to follow Jesus, no questions asked, do you really have faith? But Luke, who records the same story, goes into greater detail. The difference is he's writing for a Gentile audience, which Gentile basically means not Jews, like you and me. And so he knew this audience was going to have way more questions about this. So he gives details that Matthew doesn't. And we're going to look and kind of camp in Luke chapter five, chapter 5 today, starting in verse 1. If you don't have your Bible with you, uh, it's going to be up here on the screen. Uh, otherwise, I encourage you to, to um, if you don't have a Bible, to download one of the free Bible apps. But here's where we're going to start. One day, as Jesus was standing on the lake of Genesaret, now, this is, this is just another name for the, the Sea of Galilee. And the people are crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. Now, the reason they're washing their nets is because they're done fishing. See, in this, in this age and in this geographic location, you fish at night. At night, the water is cool and the fish come to the surface to feed. But midday, the water's warm and the fish dive down to the bottom. So these fishermen, they're done for the day. And they're washing their nets from a night's work. And they would lay the nets out to let them dry and then roll them up and get them ready for the next night of fishing. And then it says, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put, put it out a little from shore. Now, just to clarify... Simon also has the name Peter. We refer to him often as Simon Peter. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, this by Jesus getting into the boat, this gives him a little bit of a distance from the crowd. Not to mention, his voice would be amplified on the water, allowing more people to hear the message. Luke gives all these details that Matthew doesn't. And it's not just... Simon Peter that's listening, but Andrew and James and John are all listening to Jesus' teaching. And that's when Jesus gives his first invitation. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, this is odd, but Jesus is giving Simon Peter a small step of obedience. This is his first step. He isn't saying drop everything and follow me at this point. He's asking him to do something small, something that he can do. But imagine getting your nets all clean and then Jesus says, hey, drop your nets back into the water. Ugh, seriously, Jesus. And it's worse than that because Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. These guys have been out all night and caught nothing. Now, I'm not a fisherman. I have a buddy, Caleb, that is hardcore, but that's not me. When I go fishing, I actually expect to catch nothing. But imagine being out all night long and coming home with nothing. On top of that, their livelihood is tied to their ability to catch fish. So it has, it's not been a good night. And they come in, they're probably grumpy, and they wash up their nets from catching nothing, ready to grab some sleep, and Jesus says, hey, Throw those nets back into the water. And Simon Peter's like, we've worked hard all night and come up empty. And that was when Jesus, that's when the fishing was good. And now you want us, it's daytime, and you want us to throw our nets down right now when the fishing is terrible? 
But here's the key phrase that he follows up with. And if you can grab a hold of this phrase, it's big. Simon Peter says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. See, Jesus, even though what you're asking makes no sense, even though my rational thought tells me this is counterproductive to what I'm trying to accomplish, because you say so. Maybe you're listening this morning and you're not sure where you stand with Jesus or who he really is. Or maybe you consider yourself a Christian and yet your faith has been a little bit stale and you're not sure it's all worth it. This is where Peter is. He's not sure at this moment about Jesus, but he chooses to say, because you say so, I will do it. And he didn't know this, but this would change everything for him. This decision to obey was the first step in what would change the course of human history. At this point, Peter has no idea that in 2020, he'd still be talked about. He has no idea that by a portion of the world, he'd be referred to as St. Peter. All he knows is that in this moment, there's a crowd of people watching. I've caught no fish. I'm tired. And this rabbi has my boat out in the water and wants me to drop my freshly cleaned nets. But Jesus wants to go fishing. And so he does. You have no idea what the future holds and who's impacted by your decision to say yes to whatever God's calling you to. You call yourself a follower of Jesus, but every once in a while, God impresses something on your spirit that challenges your comfort zone and you rationalize your way out of it. You tell God there's no way you're putting your nets back out into the water because it makes no sense. Then it says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Be began to break. The miracle comes when Simon Peter obeys. That's why spiritual maturity is never based on knowledge, not, not how much you know about the Bible. It's always on obedience. You can sit in church or you can listen to a dozen sermons online, but your knowledge of what to do does not equal spiritual maturity. It is your ability to act upon what God is leading you to. The story goes on to say this. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they, they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. See, when Peter saw this miracle happen in front of him, he's no longer thinking about the nets and how they need to be cleaned again. He's no longer frustrated with his fishless night out on the sea. In fact, the last thing he's thinking about in this moment is fish, even though that's the thing you think he would be focused on. He says to Jesus, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. In this moment that Peter... In this moment, Peter goes from being face-to-face -face with a rabbi to being face-to-face -face with God in human form. And he's incredibly self-aware of how unworthy he actually is. But in this moment, Peter had a wrong understanding of why, who God is, why, and the relationship he wants to have with humanity. See, being a sinful man didn't disqualify Peter from being a follower of Jesus. It actually was a prerequisite to following Jesus. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you don't think you qualify to be in the presence of God because of some of the things that you've done. Or, or maybe you just have too many questions about God and faith. Jesus doesn't make sense to you right now. That's okay. Let's continue the story. 
For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. And you see, it wasn't as simple as dropping everything and following Jesus. Christianity isn't blind faith without reasoning. But he would say to them, I know you have questions. And there will be even more, trust me. But for now, I want you to follow me. Let's go change the world. Belief in who Jesus was wasn't even a requirement to follow him. That would take three years, and even then, it wasn't until after seeing Jesus resurrected that they would truly believe who he was. He would say to you, and he would say to me, the same thing he said to some simple fisherman, turn around and come follow me. I don't need you to believe. I just need you to turn around and follow me. I challenge you to truly follow after Jesus and let the belief thing work itself out. Because when you truly come face to face with Jesus, everything changes. Let's pray. God, this morning, I pray for the person out there that is struggling a little bit with their belief. And I would encourage them to just come follow you. They don't, they don't have to have everything worked out. They don't have to have a, a solid foundation or a solid uh, belief in who you actually are. I, I challenge them this morning where they are right now that they would, they would seek after you, that they would give it, get their hands on a copy of your word and just read about you. I, I challenge them to try to speak to you in prayer and, and allow you to, to reveal to them who you are. I, I pray for the... Um, person out there that, that would say, I already am a follower of Jesus. But their, their faith has become a little bit stale. And I would challenge them this morning that they would seek after you and they would follow you. And, and even if they're, they're in a, on a spot where they're not even sure about their faith, God, I pray that, that you would allow them to um, step out of their comfort zone. In, in, the, in the times where you've called them to something, you've called them to to reach out to, to someone else. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's uh, something you've put on their heart. Something that's completely out of their comfort zone. And you've asked them to do something. They've rationalized it away and said, I, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not worthy enough or I'm not talented enough to do that. And they've said, they basically said, I'm not lowering my, my nets back into the water, God. I pray, Lord, I pray for a refreshed uh, renewal of their faith today. That they would seek out, go back to when they first started following you. And just take baby steps of obedience. God, I pray that uh, for those out there that are seeking something more, that uh, you would be the answer. That, that you would continue to put people in their lives. That you would continue to um, give them little, little signs in, of, of who you actually are. Because God, I believe that when people come face to face and they see you for actually who you are, everything changes in their life. And so, Lord, I pray blessing on everyone that hears this, this message this morning. And I ask this in your name, Jesus.